Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, My guest today is Nicholas Fabre. He's an assistant professor of medicine, hematology, and medical oncology at Mount Sinai. And we're going to talk about uh, viruses and viral immunology, topics related related to that, RNA viruses uh, in particular. So, Nicholas, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what what got you interested in uh, viral action and viruses? Oh, um, actually, yeah, I got interested very early. I think that um, when I was in middle school, there was a lot of um, a talk about uh, HIV and uh, all. Uh, I, I think uh, people trying to reach out to like uh, um, give us clue on how to 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 prevent HIV, uh, the spread of HIV. And at that time, I thought that uh, actually viruses w- were a very interesting topic. And it was something where if you found uh, a cure or a vaccine, you could really make a difference. Like uh, when I was a kid, I mean, I was born at the same time, but basically HIV was uh, identified in 1985, 84. Oh. And uh, I, when I was a thought about what I wanted to do in my life I thought that if I really wanted to you know make a difference I needed to be to work on on what actually killed people and and at that time one of the highest killer uh, in the world was HIV so I I say okay I want to work on, on viruses on HIV in particular yeah it makes sense so how long have you been working in the virus field and what's what's your current research about so um, I defended my PhD in 2011, uh, and I've been working on uh, viruses uh, since then, um, especially on uh, RNA viruses. And uh, the more I uh, went to my career, the more I, I, I was interested in studying the, the immunology uh, to, to viruses and the ability of the cells to, to really detect viruses and especially the, 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 the very early first step, what are the molecular mechanisms that when a virus enters a cell, it gets detected by the immune system? Exactly what was yeah, the, the, you know, the, 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 the key unlock um, uh, aspect of the, of the immune system, really. What were the receptors that were able to recognize uh, something that was not self, so which was non-self, like viruses, and what were the molecules involved and the mechanisms that uh, that were at the basis of this uh, this this uh, recognition. So, is that what you're focused on today? Is RNA viruses and and how the immune system detects them, or, or what aspect of them are you looking at? So, exactly. No, I work really on the the, the part of the immune system. So. So, you know, the immune system is uh, composed of, uh, of two arms. Uh, a first immediate arm, which uh, is called the innate immune system, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and another uh, arm, which is called the, the adaptive immune system. 
and I re, uh, the innate immune system is really what initiates the, the immune response by recognizing uh, uh, that something is wrong uh, in a cell. So it can be either um, the fact that the cell is uh, infected by a virus or a bacteria, but it can be also uh, that the cell uh, has been is in a process of transformation into a cancerous cell. And you have a lot of different signals um, that uh, happen in this case and that activate this class of molecules that is called uh, pattern recognition, uh, pathogen recognition receptors that really has the specificity to detect uh, um, uh, um, molecular motifs uh, that are specific to viruses or bacteria and that when they recognize uh, this part of virus or bacteria, they are going to activate uh, the first step of the in, uh, innate immune response. So the first step of uh, the thing that they are going to activate generally, uh, uh, it's what we call cytokines. So cytokines. So it's uh, a set of different molecules that are going to be produced by the cells and that are going to be secreted uh, by the cells to alert not only the neighbor, neighborhood cells that, uh, for example, they are infected, but also to alert immune cells, like uh, so cells of our body that are more specialized to, to, to fight uh, an infection or, uh, or, or, or the development of a, a tumor. And they're not only going to recruit these immune cells, but also activate them. And uh, the recruitment and the activation of these immune cells and the development uh, are going to lead to the development of the second phase of the immune response, which is the adapt adaptive immune response. And, uh, what really my work is on is really like this first step, really like what exactly happened as soon as the virus enters cells and what is going to be recognized. You were saying that sometimes the virus will enter into the immune cell on its own. Sometimes the immune cell will engulf the virus and pull it inside. But um, you know, from that point, how does the immune cell tell other immune cells what's going on? Yeah, so... Um, so the receptor that I'm uh, interested at, so it's a receptor that uh, the, the one I'm really interested in, uh, detect, uh, for example, uh, the nucleic acid produced by the viruses, uh, and especially the RNA. So uh, these receptors, they are present in uh, most of the cells in our body, and uh, they are especially produced at a high level by immune cells. So... Uh, the consequence is that both, like any infected cell that would be infected by the viruses, could detect the presence of the infection because they are going to to recognize and bind uh, this particular viral RNA. And uh, but it's also the case for like more professional immune cells that can uh, are going to engulf the virus and also will be able to detect uh, the same viral RNA. The main difference between the immune cells and the non-immune cells is that uh, in the case of immune cells, they are going to engulf uh, viruses or bacteria and not necessarily they are infected. Whereas the non-immune cells are going to recognize viruses only if the viruses enter by itself inside the cell. But uh, when, when, once the, viral, the viruses eat inside the cell, uh, the mechanism uh, are uh, there are a lot of overlap in the in the mechanisms that lead to the to, to the activation of the immune response and the, the detection first of the virus and the activation of the immune response. Do you think that um, the immune cells are using extracellular vesicles 
to coordinate with other immune cells and let them know about their condition? Like, what, what do you think is that? What are the mechanisms by which they alert other cells? Well, um, so there are so, so there are a multiplicity of uh, of mechanisms, but the the one that is the most um, um, uh, that has been the, the most characterized is the production by the infected cells or by the immune cells that detect viruses uh, of cytokines. So it's um, proteins that are produced in response to the detection of the virus and that are going to be secreted in the extracellular milieu. So these cytokines, uh, it can be, for example, uh, uh, which we often talk about interferon, but we are, we are also pro-inflammatory cytokines. They are going to uh, navigate the extracellular milieu and they are going to bind specialized receptors uh, generally present on immune cells to, to, to warn to uh, the immune cells that there is an infection somewhere. So the consequence is that the immune cells are going to be recruited at the site of infection and they also are going to be activated. So by activation, uh, I, what I mean is that the cell, is, uh, since it's, it was alerted that there is an, an infection, is going to produce a lot of um, uh, functional uh, proteins that are going to either uh, lead to the destruction of the infected cells or uh, to uh, the destruction of the virus or the bacteria themselves. So um, is anyone able to figure out, uh, again, what are, the, what are all the ways in which the communication happens or does that not matter? It's only the primary way. Maybe it's the cytokines. I mean, you know, and if so, are you able to determine signal strength, um, variations in the signal? You know, does it recruit different things depending on what kind of virus it runs into? Like what's some of the variation you've noticed? Yeah, so there is a, uh, a huge diversity depending on the kind of the virus, the kind of infection that happen in a, a white tissue. It happens. What are the cells that are detected, and also a large variation between uh, individuals. So, um, I mean, one of the perfect examples that uh, to to illustrate this is uh, what happened uh, during uh, SARS-CoV-2 infections. Uh, we can see that. Um, when we look at the cytokines that are produced in response to infections uh, in different uh, uh, COVID-19 patients, we find that we can really segregate the patients that are going to be uh, very sick because of the virus from the patients that are not going to, to develop a, a severe form of the disease. Uh, by looking at the cytokines that are produced in response to infection. And I, I think that's one of the most important uh, avenues of research in the case of COVID-19 right now. It's really to, to understand what cytokines are going to uh, uh, lead to what kind of, uh, of immune response to, to really understand why some people get very sick and why some people uh, don't even have any symptom uh, uh, as a consequence of infection. So we, ha we have a lot of tools to, to measure this, and, um, and you can either look at the cytokine them themselves by looking at what, are the, uh, what, are the, what kind of cytokine are produced by measuring them in the serum or in the, so the, the liquid part of the blood, or at the site of infection in the, in, uh, in the alveolar, in the, in the, in the lung. 
But you can also directly look at uh, the cells that are infected by the virus and, uh, and uh, purify all the, the RNA, so transcriptional response. So what they are going to produce in response to uh, the infections and look at uh, if they are going to produce a certain kind of cytokines or, or other, uh, typically with uh, SARS-CoV-2 and other coronaviruses, what we observe is that um, you can really distinguish between uh, the cytokines that are going to, to uh, lead to the recruitment of uh, over immune cells, so what we call the pro-inflammatory cytokines, which are produced at a very high level in response to uh, the, this, uh, the infection by this particular virus. And, um, but when you look at another class of cytokines that are, that are called uh, interferon, the interferon, it's a, cytokine, it's a kind of cytokine that are going to like, more um, activate uh, uh, the, the, the immune response. It's, it's, not, it's going really to, to, to alert the cells, so they are going to produce a lot of antiviral molecules to defend themselves. And when we look at uh, interferon in, this, in the case of COVID-19, what, what we see is that the cells that are infected by SARS-CoV-2, they don't produce interferon uh, uh, at very high level. They produce a lot of pro-inflammatory cytokines, so there are, a lot of, there are a lot of immune cells that are recruited at the site of infections, but these immune cells, they don't have this interferon signaling that uh, should, in normal time should help them to uh, have the tools to fight the virus. So in, you end up with having a, a very uh, large inflammation, uh, uh, what people call cytokine release syndrome. And in the same time, the body doesn't seem to be able to, to get rid of the virus. So it's, it's really important to be able to, to measure the different kind of, um, uh, of uh, cytokine and of innate immune response that you have uh, in, a, uh, in response to viral infection to, to have a better sense uh, to understand what exactly uh, is the uh, physiology, the pathophysiology of the viral infection. Have, um... Have people been able to characterize, uh, you know, the cytokines that are released and the other factors, uh, depending on, you know, looking at a whole bunch of different viruses, you know, HIV, Ebola, COVID, et cetera. You know, has anyone looked at, again, the profile of cytokine release and were there too many factors depending on the person and other factors that would, would confound it? Is there any signal there? No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of researchers, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's really like, uh, the, what, a lot of people work on that. They are trying to understand, like, uh, to 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 find some uh, uh, specificity of virals, uh, of uh, uh, the cytokine production in response to viruses, and uh, also s things that are common to different viruses. So we we have a good understanding, I would say, um, of the. Uh, different uh, viral infections and what kind of cytokines and um, uh, they lead to, and and really uh, what I want to, to to insist on in in this case is that uh, the the pathway that lead to the production of the cytokines are different depending on the viruses. So you have common pathway because, uh, for example, um, the, uh, some molecules that are present in different viruses are going to be detected by the same receptors that are going to produce the same profile of cytokines. But all the viruses have developed a, a strategy to um, counteract this detection. And the 
the combination of the molecule that the, the viruses are going to, to, to produce and that are going to be sensed by this receptor with the fact, combined with the fact that each virus has a different strategy to uh, counteract uh, uh, this detection, leads to uh, uh, profiles of, of production uh, of the cytokines that are different depending on, on the uh, viral infection. And this can have um, a very important consequence on, on the way uh, the immune response is going to target uh, the viral infection and the way the viral infection is going to uh, lead to, uh, to induce a disease. So <clears throat> there are, uh, I mean, in generally, I like to take uh, the example of, um, of uh, when you compare uh, humans that are infected with uh, HIV, they produce a very strong immune response. Uh, when you look at the, the, uh, the, the, typically the cytokines that are produced in, a, in uh, HIV positive patients in the chronic phase of the infection, you can measure that, uh, you can see that they are, they are producing a lot of uh, 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 proteins that are, in, that are uh, supposed to be uh, antiviral. So they have a lot of pro-inflammatory cytokines on the have a, a transcriptional program of uh, immune response uh, that is very strong. Yet you have uh, people who get sick and uh, the, their blo uh, white blood cells uh, number decrease and they eventually develop uh, uh, opportunistic infection and they die of this opportunistic infection. But when you look at um, the equivalent of HIV, in, uh, in its natural host, for, for example, so the SIV, the simian immunodeficiency viruses that infect population of chimpanzee, uh, you see that the chimpanzee, they also develop a very high viral load uh, of the virus, and yet they don't get sick. And when you actually look at the immune response, so you measure the, the cytokines on the transcriptional program uh, uh, of, uh, that are defining this immune response. When you, when you look at the, the immune response of the chimpanzee to, to SIV and you compare them to human to HIV, you, will, you notice that actually the chimpanzee, they don't develop exactly the same kind of immune response and they, are, they tolerate the virus much more than what we do. And, and that's why it's, it's really important to, to, to study uh, this, this, uh, the consequence of this detection of the virus because it can, have, it, it can be uh, strongly linked to the immunopathology uh, of the virus. And sometimes what you observe is that what makes us sick is not the, the, the vir uh, viral replication itself or the presence of the virus, but the strength of the immune response that end up uh, damaging the tissue or, uh, or, or killing the immune cells. And that actually, uh, it's at the heart of the, heart of the, the, the development of the, of the disease. So why do you think that, um, for instance, monkeys are able to tolerate such a high viral load of uh, you know, SIV and people not of HIV? Like, what are some of the fundamental differences in the, in the mechanism? Or, you know, like why is there not clearance of the virus in monkeys? Or is there it's just allowed to build up to a higher level. Like what, what are some of the dynamics that are interesting? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's a question that is still uh, under investigation by, by a, a lot of researchers. Um, so the, the, diff the difference what will be uh, of the kind of immune response that human and uh, monkeys are, are going to develop. And, um, and 
the, the one of the things that is well known is typically the the the, the presence of uh, this uh, chronic uh, interferon response that you see in uh, uh, HIV positive individuals that are not treated. So in the chronic phase of uh, AIDS, that uh, you cannot find in uh, uh, the monkey species that do not get sick uh, after a retrovirus infection. So it's really this yeah chronic in interferon response that that in generally during a viral infection is uh, going to uh, appear right at the beginning of the viral infection and is going to be uh, suppressed after because uh, the the uh, uh, chronic the, the persistence of an interferon response is going to be very damaging to to the immune system so what happens when you have an acute acute viral infections the virus is detected and you mount uh, 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 interferon response that is supposed to lead to the viral clearance and then you stop to having this interferon response so your immune system can go back to homeostasis. And uh, what happens in the case of HIV is that when you are first infected by the virus, you do mount this interferon response, but you never get rid completely of the virus for like different uh, mechanisms, but... Uh, the one, one of the, the hallmarks of uh, HIV infection is this ability to, to persist in the body after integration in, in, in the cell, etc. And while the virus stays, you go, you, the, body, the human body are going to, to, to keep producing this interferon response. And, and they are going to produce an interferon response uh, uh, chronically, which is going to be extremely damaging to the system. And this is really this chronic interferon response that is absent or that we did not, we do not detect at the same level in a model of monkeys infected uh, by uh, antiviruses like HIV, but that we do not get sick. So, um, so this is, uh, yeah, this is one of the main, main difference between the human model of infection and the monkey model of infection. So what can we apply, let's say, to, you know, to help people tolerate HIV you know, I guess we can't clear it, but, um, you know, what lessons have been learned? Like, how do you want to apply this to help people? So, I mean, this is an important question. So the, the strategy that, uh, that have been developed against HIV uh, and have been extremely successful are that target directly uh, the, uh, the, the viral replication. So uh, that's the basis of the antiviral uh, treatment. So you develop drugs that prevent the virus to replicate. And uh, since it's this initial viral replication that leads to this overwhelming uh, immune response, if you disrupt the, vi the, the viruses, you, you prevent uh, the, the immune response to, 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 to be to, too strong and to, to persist chronically. Uh, but uh, people have also tried to, to develop approaches to, to, to help uh, the body to, to tolerate the viruses, but you can understand that it's very uh, uh, tricky and also dangerous as an approach because the reason that uh, uh, we develop this interferon, these cytokines, it's to help the body to uh, to help us to to defend uh, ourselves against the viral infection. So you don't really want. Even if you know that it can be uh, uh, dangerous, if it's too persistent, if it's too high level, you don't want to, to interfere with, 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 interfere with the, the, the production of uh, interferon because if it's there 
it, uh, it's it's for a good reason. So if you start to like um, inhibit the the production of interferon or the, the the response to interferon, you're gonna remove one of the we weapons that the, the body has developed. So people are trying to 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 to, to develop a, a, a therapy to that target these different cytokines. And uh, once again. Uh, in the case of COVID-19, I think it's uh, really interesting because uh, you have a similar uh, cytokine. Uh, where you have a, we observe in the patients with cytokine release syndrome and the, the production of uh, the, the, the overactivation of the, of the immune system that start to be damaging for uh, for the tissue and for the lung of the patient. So there are a lot of approaches that try to to um, dampen the immune response. Uh, for example, um, uh, it's uh, drugs that try to to target uh, overcytokines. So interferon is one that is sometimes uh, studies in a few clinical trials, but we heard a lot about um, uh, approaches to target IL-6, which is an overcytokine, or TNF-alpha, uh, or IL-1-beta, and it's like this drug that tries to, to dampen the immune response to see if we can prevent the, an uncontrolled immune system to do too much damage uh, on, the, on the tissue. And so far, uh, there have been a few positive results using uh, anti-IL-6, but it's not as, uh, as uh, uh, strong as we'd, we, expect, uh, we expected initially after looking at the uh, uh, after the first observation that we had on, on the patient, so I think we in general in general are you it sounds like we need to work with the immune response and maybe tune it you know not let it get too overactive, not underactive, but not take over for it not you know it seems tricky to tune it in just right no I mean absolutely and uh, I think that the, when, uh, <laughs> the way we will uh, improve our approaches of these viral infection where, where really the, the immune system is uh, doing a lot of damage. And I think that's a strong parallel that we can make between COVID-19 and uh, on HIV. Um, it's, I think it's really like to have a better understanding of which cytokine is doing what and which what can we target. Because once again, you don't want to completely shut up the immune system because otherwise you let the virus, the, I mean, the immune system is, is there to control the viral replication. So you, you, you want to tune in, as you said, the, the response, uh, the immune responses. And we will need to, to first have a better understanding of which cytokine is doing what. And uh, maybe through a combination of different drugs, uh, uh, arrive to a, to, to a setting when we can really control exactly the strength and the quality of the immune response that we are expecting to help the patient uh, fight the infection. And, and I think that right now, uh, a lot of people are, after the first phase when we, we try like uh, monotherapy, so single drug, again, different cytokines, uh, people are going to, to develop a combination of this drug to see if there is like a, a good combination that low uh, therapeutic approach to, to, to really... Uh, uh, to, yeah, to, to, to get the, the kind of immune response and the kind of strength of immune response that we, we hope that will be a good balance between fighting the infection and, and not uh, destroying, destroying the, the, the tissues and doing too much damage because of the activation of the immune system. Yeah, why use a monotherapy? Why not 
a little bit of five different things? You know, why, do you, why not take an approach like that? Well, because of, I mean, when you, you know, it's a, a COVID-19 is really a new disease. So the first thing that we, you try is that you try everything that is available and that makes sense. And I think uh, that initially why one of the reasons why there was so many uh, clinical trials against hydroxychloroquine, for example, and, and, and what was available to, 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 find, to fight COVID-19 was this uh, antibodies against these different cytokines. And, um, and at the beginning, you, you, you aim at the, I guess, uh, the simplest, which is like you try one antibody against one cytokine and see what's happening. And since we haven't seen a very, like, we, we, there was like tr- uh, finding that show that there are a little bit of protection, but we want to do better. So I think that the next step, just a question of like a step-by-step. And so I think the next step is trying this combination therapy against different cytokines. Well, very good. Nicholas, what's the best way for people to find out more? Um, find, uh, find more about uh, everything? <laughs> about what? <laughs> about, about your work in particular right now. If people want to find out more directly from you or from you know, the lab that you work in, uh, yeah, how so, can they reach out? Well, uh, I, I use Twitter a lot. My uh, Twitter handle is uh, neoviral. N-E-O-V-I-R-A-L. So I use Twitter a lot. So it's probably the best way to, to reach out. And I communicate a lot uh, about the work that is done uh, in my lab and in our institute, and especially right now on COVID-19. Very good. Well, Nicholas, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.